With 25% off all new and up to 70% off previously leased furnishings, do you really need a better reason to party? We don't think so. Come visit our new Court Furniture Clearance Center with more than 9,000 square feet of new and previously leased furniture and decor for your home and office. Sofas from $199.99, bedroom sets from $399.99, dining sets from $299.99, and more. Free food, prizes, and fun all weekend long at our Chandelier Court Furniture Clearance Center at 13946 Lee Jackson Memorial Highway or go online at courtclearancefurniture.com. Welcome to the 79th episode of Monkeys Fighting Robots. Today is going to be a somber show. You know, there's a lot of stuff that just went down over the weekend and just not sure how to handle it all. And, and I wanted to talk with EJ and kind of just kind of flush out our feelings of pop culture and what happened in Orlando and kind of just, just kind of have a, a discourse about it and, and talk about our influences and role models and, and if things are going to change or how they're going to change and and what's going to change them. I'm your host, Matthew Sardo. I'm also the co-founder of MonkeysFatingRobots.com. Joining me today is my co-host, movie critic EJ Marino. If you want to join in the conversation that we're having, I would greatly appreciate it. And you can talk to us either through social media, on Twitter. You can send me an email at matt at popaxiom.com. And below the podcast, there's a whole area for you to comment. And that's the biggest thing I want to bring from this episode is I would love for the conversation to continue because I think that's what needs to happen as opposed to these just generic Facebook posts that people are putting out here. Cause I've been MIA from, I've been MIA of off of Facebook since Sunday. And then late, late last night I started seeing what was going on and, and I just wanted to Hulk smash my whole entire computer. EJ, welcome to the show. Yeah. It's a, as much as this podcast is so fun to do, this is a, this is a little harder one for us to do. And, it's going to be very interesting because we have a lot of good conversations to bring up and a lot of feelings to get out. And it's going to be it's I think it's going to be really cool to see an organic conversation about this between two people from way different walks of life to meet in the middle. And that's kind of what our podcast has always been. And it's interesting that we could do it on a realistic subject. And so everybody knows kind of where we're coming from. EJ, I'm 39. I'm going to be 40 this year. Holy shit. How, how old are you? I'm 25. going to be 26 in December. Okay, so we have a 14-year difference on life. And, and the reason why this conversation, I wanted to build this out and, and, and everything, is I went and saw Central Intelligence on Monday with The Rock and Kevin Hart, and I was like, please just be funny. I just want to laugh. I want things to, you know, I know they're not going to get better right away, but I just Sunday was just horrible. You know, I was texting EJ to see if he was alive because we live in the Bay Area, and there is a random chance you could have been at that nightclub last night. And I've had to do that with a few other friends over the weekend. And I feel like that for some reason, this one hit harder than the other ones. I don't know. It's because I have a new kid or I'm just getting older or I care about people more or I care about myself more. I don't know. It's just, it's just, it, there's a heavy feeling over it, but I went to see central intelligence. The movie is really funny, but the rocks character deals with bullying throughout the the film and the final bully scene, the rock just knocks the dude out and the theater erupted. You know, uh, people were standing up, people were clapping, people were cheering and, and everybody was rooting for the fat kid and is now a buffed up central intelligence guy beating up the bullies and saving the day. And it was a very, I don't know. I, I you know, we can even call it like an eighties action movie where it's very, black and white of who the hero and who the villain was. And 
I felt like it was needed. And I don't know if it was just an experience being the Florida theater or, or if it's going to have an experience through other theaters, but there was an experience in that theater. There was emotions and people had emotions. And I, I wanted to acknowledge that. And, and you saw finding Dory the next day and I doubt you had the same feelings. No, but I, I think a lot of people needed a movie like uh, Central Intelligence or Finding Dory. It's uh, it's that escapism, and it kind of allowed you to go into this fantasy world, or even in something like Central Intelligence, this this hyper realistic world where it's you're set in a real thing, but it's still a movie. Uh, so yeah, I, I like that people got to have this, and I think people were uh, really really open to Finding Dory because it was just pure organic child fun, and I think that's what we needed in a time like this is just something so something so simple. Yeah, because we just had this loss of innocence to just have something innocent come up is is a reminder of, I don't know if it's a reminder of what we want or what we need or or what we lost, but it's, there. there's something to it. And and I asked you in the pre-show, Fist Fight, you know, how what, what was your feelings going into a theater? I remember going to a theater and I was just, I was just drained. I mean, we sat in traffic, went there. So I didn't really think about like, hey, is there a crazy person going to come in here and shoot this theater up? I, that wasn't in my head at all because I, I just shut my brain off because I was just tired. Uh, what was going on with you? Well, it's that started way back to the, the Colorado shooting in the movie theater. That already kind of put you on edge. And then to see something so close to home... Um, it, it kind of made it intimidating. And I work at the zoo part time. So I went to work right after that Monday. I started like a noon shift. So I had that morning to deal with it. And then to go into a giant public place, it's, it's you know, it's a, it's a zoo. It's not crazy, but it, it was really intimidating. And then sitting in a movie theater, you do have that feeling in the back of your head. But I, I try not to fester on it. And I, I don't want ever to let my life be directly affected that negatively by someone doing something. So it, that it was one of the few times I got to sit in a movie and escape, and I it felt good to do that because you're everyone's so on edge. So yeah, it, it felt good, but there was that in the back of my mind. And it's crazy. And I I went to go play hockey on Sunday morning, and in the locker room we're kind of having conversations, and some people bring up guns, and I just don't really want to have a debate about guns because you know I have my views on guns. Don't know. I you know I don't have a gun. I have two dogs and I have a baseball bat. If somebody comes in more armed than I am to my house, I'm fucked. Uh, you know, but I I don't I don't feel the need. I just wasn't raised with guns in my household, and it's just not something that I've really wanted. But that I started to have a good conversation with a fellow hockey player, and he was from an opposing team, and we were having a good dialogue about just the craziness of what's going on. And then I stopped and I was like, "Hey, my name's Matt Sardo," and he's like, "Oh, I'm John," and. Because of social media, we're, we already know people's names and we throw out comments and we do things. But uh, I, it was that Sunday morning where I was like, you know what? I need to kind of make more human interactions with people. And whether it's knowing your neighbor or all these different things. Because then who, who knows why this person was so disenfranchised with life that he wanted to go kill all these people. You know, maybe if somebody went over there and said hello and said, hey, whatever. You know, and... And was friendly to the person. I don't know. The person could be a psycho for a psycho. But I was like, okay, I need to do something. And then on the drive back, because I live in St. Pete and the hockey rink is in Temple Terrace. It's a good 45 minutes to an hour drive back. And I was like, okay, I know that this has affected me. And, you know, the, the death toll went from 20 to 50 while I was playing hockey and all this other stuff. And I was like, I, 
I was like, we were just in MegaCon. I was like, I need to write something about this on the website, but I don't want to get political. I don't want to get this. I was like, I want to, I was like, what is that three to five sentences that are very to the point and honest and and real and, and just get them out there. And the only thing I come up with, because I wanted to get portray like a positive message and, and kind of start the healing process or, or, or kind of influence other people to kind of have the moment that I had where I reached my hand out and I shook the guy's hand. And I was like, Hey, my name's Matt and his name is John. And, and we kind of went from there. And, and that's when I wrote the, I created the meme of just turn to the person next to you and give them a hug. The interaction that we're having, cause you can't have that on Facebook. Stop what you're doing, turn to the next person and give them a hug. If there's no person next to you, just get the fuck up. Go find a person and give them a hug and just start that. I don't know. I don't know. You know, I mean, I see all these stupid corny movies where, you know, the hug kind of expands and in the world heals itself. And I, you know, I know that's not going to happen, but at least like get out some good vibes. That's all I wanted to do on Sunday. Yeah, you were that that post was one of the first things I saw that was directly positive. It was nothing about. Uh, the community that it attacked. It was nothing about the gun man. It was nothing about guns. It was it was just something organic and just something peaceful. And that it, it really helped me personally because as a gay man who lives in Florida who's Spanish, this was really really close to me. So I was very happy to see someone kind of just throw out all the bullshit and just be like, hey, we have to be humans and love each other. And it, it was really refreshing. And now I'm starting to lead into this whole new process of. I just looked at the whole summer and I look at all life and everything like that. And, you know, Batman's fighting Superman and Captain America's fighting Iron Man. And I was like, our heroes that are supposed to inspire us are fighting each other. And that's also symbolic of us ourselves fighting each other, whether it's uh, Republicans against the gay community or you know, you pick your dynamic of who you're against, the Catholics versus Islam or USA versus Islam or whatever you want to be. Um, those, the, our heroes are supposed to be better than us <laughs> for me. And, and, and that's where I started going into the, con, you know, I started going down the line of like Captain America is now a part of Hydra. And I was like, seriously, like I, I, I was like, we got, I, I don't know if you could fix it because now they're corporations and all this other stuff, but it just started, I, I started building up kind of anger and resentment towards the people that were supposed to inspire us to be better are just like us and they're and so i'm like who's who's that person that's supposed to say stop the madness this is wrong and how do we fix it kind of thing yeah and i i've noticed you really do feel that superheroes were always going to be that feeling for you and i guess maybe me being a disenfranchised human being i never really had that that hero so i i've always kind of related to the bad guys because i've always felt they were misunderstood at times so that's what I've liked always that anti-hero. And I've always related to that one down the middle. And so it, it's, it's interesting in a time like this that we have something like the good guy, Captain America, has been in Hydra the whole time. It, it's very interesting that that does reflect. And that's still that Cold War paranoia of our enemy isn't across anymore. Sometimes our enemy is here next to us. And I think that's the scariest thing. And we've been reflecting that in pop culture a lot. And uh, it. it it wasn't too real until all of this happened. And then it starts being like, wow, we're really going down a different path, how we look at pop culture and heroes. And it's really showing. My thought process, and, and this is in from owning the comic book store, I've had a lot of people tell me that I'm just very naive to think that superheroes are supposed to be black and white. 
and we have comic books themselves are a genre. You know, they're 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 filled with genres. You have horror, you have action, you have all this stuff, you have superheroes. But I I strongly feel that there are a few characters that are supposed to be our moral compass, and that's who they're supposed to be. And when you have corporations fucking with them, for lack of better words, to to sell a few variant covers, that kind of pisses me off. They because they don't have respect for the bigger meaning. This is this is comic books and superheroes are like our folklore, our Hercules, all, all this. Those characters inspired other people. Now, Hercules has been inspiring people to do things for a long time. And and for me, there there was always Rocky. I had Rocky. 35-year-old guy given a shot to, to beat the champ, and, and he's going to work really hard, and he's going to give everything he can. And he loses, actually, in the first film. He loses. What he gets back up, and he goes again, and, and then it becomes this mega monster of box office uh whatever you want to call it and and then stallone realizes that like let's get back to the character roots and he kind of does a redemption tale of the character but like at the heart of it you know rocky never changed the character of rocky never changed whether you put him in 80s 90s or whatever whatever budget you put him around it's just this still this guy that's like listen you're a bad guy and you just knocked down my friend why don't you try knocking me down and if the Rocky movies influenced five people to be like, listen, don't pick on my friend. I mean, like, that's that's where I'm that's where I'm getting at. And it may be naive to think that, but that's that's where I am. Well, I think that comes and that this is kind of get a kind of in a weird sense is it, it comes from people needing that godlike figure. You need that higher power. That's the all good. And that's going to have the answers. And I grew up very uh, kind of not believing in anything like that. So I've never needed that person to be a good person. Because I don't think it's ever really existed. And I've always seen good as something that's not the easiest situation to do. And I think it's very hard to be a good guy without breaking a few eggs. And things like characters like Batman, who now people give him flack for killing people, it's, it, it comes with the territory. And you know, it's, like a, it's like Dexter, the TV show, where he is doing bad things to kill people. But it's for a good reason. So I've always liked this uh, this line that gets blurred. And I respect that you have this, it's black and white, it's good versus evil, because I've never got to have that feeling. So I see it in you, and I'm like, damn, is that what it's good to actually like have hope and not be a negative person? I don't know what the term is. I mean, whether it's hope or naive or, I don't know, because, I mean, you're not a big sports fan either. Because if you were a sports fan, you would have witnessed a few sporting miracles in your time, in the 25 years that you've been alive. For me, the first one coming out of the gate was the 1980 Olympics, uh, where Winter Olympics, where the USA defeated Russia in this epic match. And it's, you know, it's, the, the call is, is probably one of the reasons why I love radio is, do you believe in miracles? And everybody's heard it a million times over. There's, there's, been, a really, there's been a decent movie made out of it. I think there's been more than a few movies made out of it. So that's like the first sporting miracle. So there's those little things that like... For me as a sports fan and as an athlete, where it gives you this glimmer of hope and then hockey and, and baseball and I don't know about football, but they have superstitions. Like people put their hats on differently and sit on different parts of the couch because like we got to believe in our team and we got to hope for this stuff. And and I've seen my bears come back in amazing fashion. I've also seen sporting miracles happen to the other team and it's been very depressing. Uh, the, the biggest thing and the biggest one that I saw 
was uh, my favorite player, Walter Payton, uh, the Chicago Bears. He passed away, and they had this funeral on Saturday, and then they went up to Green Bay to play a game, and, and, and the Packers were so much better than the Bears, and the Bears gutted out a game, and then the Packers drove all the way down to like the five-yard line to kick a game-winning field goal that it was just like, oh, man, this game's over. And Walter Payton came down from the heavens and blocked that field goal, and it went wide. And everybody went crazy, and 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 nobody can kind of explain what that moment was, but that was a special moment to where you know you never give up. There's always a chance at that last moment for things to go the way you want, and that's where I get inspired for these things. You got movies like Rocky. You got movies like Rudy. Some of these are true stories. Some of these are, are just awesome tales. But those are those folk heroes that inspire you to dig down and rally in, in the tough times. And so that's kind of where my hopeful side comes from. Well, this is going to say a lot about us being like different personalities. But I was not a sports fan. I did grow up in a New York Giants like household. So I got to see the whole Patriots be undefeated a whole season and the Giants come in at the Super Bowl and win awesome as like a, i'm a big underdog fan I, I i i get the miracle aspect but i like a good underdog story um but i come from a wrestling background so it says a lot about me uh we were talking about our generations between 80s and 90s and i come from a a, a sport where everything's predetermined the winner is it's written down in stone most of the time if you're smart enough like any movie you can see the end of the storyline and it's it's very interesting that like i it, wrestling is a lot like comic books it's good versus evil Bad guys and good guys, heels versus faces. It's so, it's so simple. And but I, I don't get to have those miracles. I I do get to see underdogs, like like a guy like Daniel Bryan, who was not supposed to be in WWE at all, and he's too small, too weird, too vegan, and then he gets to go there and do awesome and become a big face. So I I, I don't get to do those miracles, but I do get to see my still underdog stories, and that's something that that inspires me is to see someone like me who's is that disenfranchised weirdo and get to do and be successful. So I, I don't get sports miracles, but I do get my underdog stories. What is, what is your favorite underdog story? Um, just, it really was uh, the Daniel Bryan thing. I followed that guy's career from like ring of honor where he was some weirdo, but always voted the best wrestler in the world. Uh, wrestling, uh, wrestling observer, which is a big wrestling uh, like paper, but now it's on a website always voted him the best. And I'm like, why is this guy not in WWE? He is literally the best wrestler. And then he got there and got shit on for years because he didn't fit the mold. And then fans took over. And I think that was so interesting to see. Uh, one of the few times that wrestling becomes unscripted is when fans took over and made them push Daniel Bryan and got him to the level he was at because he worked hard. And it was, it's, that's, I think it's my ultimate story of like, damn, that kid did it. And if he could do it in his industry, I should be able to do it in my industry. And with wrestling, there is a power to that fan base. And that can be inspirational. I've I've gone to a few matches and and believe me, when you know, Hulk Hogan as vilified as he is right now, but when his arm would fall on the ground and people would be cheering and then, you know, for the third time it stands up and and it starts shaking and you start shaking and and the same thing with the ultimate warrior. You punch him in the face and he starts shaking and it just everybody starts going crazy and you're like, oh my God, this is when it's going to actually happen. And and then he pummels them and, and goes from there. Uh, and, and, and the crowds there are just insane. And, and that emotion is 
you know, that emotion, if, if you can take that emotion and put it in a positive direction, you can do some amazing things with lots of people. And, and that's what I'm trying to harness and try to figure out. Like, you can pack 100,000 people into a football stadium any day of the week. And they're motivated towards one goal. How can we get those 100,000 people motivated towards a positive goal? And, and this is, this is I, I don't think we're going to come up with the answer this time. We might. I don't know. Uh, but that that's what I'm trying to figure out. Yeah, it's it's so interesting. It's always that kind of debate we see where more people vote for like American Idol, which is now off, so that doesn't even isn't even relevant. But well, at one point, more people were voting for American Idol than the presidential election. So if we yeah, if we can get that kind of enthusiasm, that wrestling fans or football fans or soccer fans, because those are another crazy group of fans that have their own little universe there, soccer. But it, if we can harness that for a good way, it's it's interesting, and it's that whole, like, we, we always talk about it, like, not me and you, but in general, if Hitler was a good person, he would have done so much amazing things with what his power of speaking and his way of with people, and we, yeah, we, we need to find those those ways to get a powerful voice up to the front, and who will it be, and I don't, yeah, I don't think we can figure it out. You're right, we never had the Hitler conversation, but you did kind of for a second blow my mind because it's one of those things where I put Hitler in the corner and I don't really let Hitler out ever again. But when you said like, oh, if he was if he was a good person, he brought all these people together and he could have done great things and, and motivated everything. But instead, he was a very evil person and killed lots of people. And, and that's why I put Hitler in the corner. But you, you then like flipping that script. And that's that's I think that's something we have to do. And this is I want to bring it back to the heroes and villains and, and where we are right now in the superhero realm. Because with comic books, I've talked about this, I really like The Walking Dead. I think Image Comics does some amazing things. Those are not the comic books that I'm talking about. And I'm not talking about uh, all, every superhero. I'm not talking about making Wolverine a happy-go-lucky guy. I'm not talking about making Deadpool a happy-go-lucky guy. He is a happy-go-lucky guy. But he's on that edge of psychopath. And each one of those characters has a place. There's a spectrum. And that's why you know you got villains on one side and you got the Boy Scout on the other side. You know, I don't know who that who I don't know who the evilest superhero or supervillain is, but he's on one side, and then you have the Boy Scout on the other side, and you have all these heroes and villains in in between. And what's happening is that spectrum of Boy Scout is getting pushed more towards the middle. And I think we're losing something there. Whether your generation finds them boring or people aren't buying the comic books or the writers are getting lazy or they're trying to sell variants, whatever it is, there's less Boy Scouts. And and what I'm saying is I feel like we need more Boy Scouts. Yeah, this thing definitely started, and now you have me thinking about uh, the 80s versus the 90s, and I'll, I'll relate this to my own superheroes. Hulk Hogan in the 80s was Eat Your Vitamins, Say Your Prayers, Bread and Butter Superman. He was the greatest human being in the world. And then in the 90s, people got bored of it. We saw through it. It was horrible. So then we made him the NWO kind of in that middle. He's the antihero. He's bad, but he's kind of cool. And it's very interesting that we do kind of want – we get bored of these uh, these good guys. We get tired of them being nothing but good, and we want to see them challenged. Um, and I think that's what they've tried to do a lot in comic books is 
Tony Stark and Iron Man. Uh, uh, yeah, Tony Stark is, he's kind of this big character and he's so well loved, but he has weird motives. Uh, same thing with Captain America on that side is he swears he's doing good, but what is his good in the long range of things? And these are two characters that are supposed to be good guys, but we see them teeter on and it is very interesting that we have to have that now. It, it, we have to have good guys not being purely good. Well, we don't have to have it. It's what we're being fed. Um, I think it's a sign of what, what fans want. or Not every fan, but I do think a, a general consensus, they don't believe in good guys anymore. And maybe we need a purely good Superman character to inspire us again and see it. But that we don't believe that anymore, I think, as a, as a mass audience. You are believe, wrong. Because <laughs> I, like we talked about it a little earlier, is I don't believe in a pure good guy. I don't think that exists, and maybe I need something to completely change me because I've never had that luxury of having that like that thought. Because the evolution of Iron Man is is very interesting. Uh, I'll get back to that, but just quickly to say, you were saying that we don't want those guys, we don't want those heroes, or society is the one that's like the first two Amazing Spider Mans or first Spider Mans that came out with Tobey Maguire. Those were prototypical. Good guy, struggling, underdog character. He makes the one mistake, and then it's like, okay, I can never make that mistake again. He learns his lesson early on that I have to stop the bad guys. And those first two movies made a shit ton of money. And the second one is, for me, one of the best superhero films that was have been made so far. The Sam Raimi, Dr. Octopus. It had a lot of comic book elements to it, and it just... It, for me, I love it. I go back and I watch it all the time. And there's that guy. There's the, those films. So it is out there. People do want them. People do go spend their money with those characters. Also, you have all the Pixar films. You know, They may not be superheroes, but those are happy-go-lucky characters that are more black and white than the other ones. Uh, and those films make tons of, mood, tons of money. The Incredibles was an amazing film, and that's very black and white of hero versus villain. You have other side issues of, you know, the the dad wanting to be a hero again and, and the him, the family unit not wanting to be a hero and the dynamic of family and all that trouble that comes with family. But it was still black and white, hero versus villain. So I, I it's not that we don't want them. I, I think writers need to write better. Directors need to direct better. Um, I... I don't really agree because I've never related to those characters. I've I've seen Spider Man. I think those are fabulous films. But I would look at that, and at the same time, X Men was coming out, and X Men is Xavier and Magneto. The same thing. They want mutants. They want mutants to have pride and be happy. But they go about it two different routes. It's the Malcolm X versus Martha the King mentality. Is I'm going to be the extreme version of getting what I want, and those are the stories I relate to because yes, Magneto's a bad guy, but it's not a, he's not a horrible human being on the inside. I think he has a lot of baggage that he brings to why he is the way he is. Same thing with Xavier. And I, and yeah, so I, I see that the, the Spider-Man's made money and I just, I guess I never, I never believed that. I never bought that story. I need something a little, a little bit darker because it's the life I had. In the, in the X-Men, I, uh, the first X-Men film is not a dark film. And, Professor X is that character. He's the Boy Scout. He's on that end of the scale. They, with the X-Men First Class, they kind of like 
changed his origin and kind of made him the focus. And honestly, for me, Cyclops was always like my favorite character out of the X-Men because he was that Boy Scout character. And then you had douchebag Wolverine who's like, oh, I'm the angsty. I can kill people and I'm going to sleep with your girlfriend. And I'm like, can't stand that guy. Can't stand him at all. I was like, why is this guy the most liked person in the Marvel Universe? He, when I grew up and I was in the comic book store, it was it was Spider-Man. I was with more of the Avengers when the Avengers weren't even popular. That's why I bought them because they were cheap. You could buy Captain America forever because they were cheap. Same thing with Iron Man. Same thing with Avengers. And Thor. Thor, for me, it was Spider-Man and then Thor because Thor is the epitome of, of, you know, I'm the good guy and I'm going to slug my way out of this and, and use my head and instead of my brain. So I had Spider-Man, who was the smart guy, and then I had Thor, who was the dumb guy, and went through those two routes of, of heroes and kind of came up with my own personal hybrid hero of like, okay, sometimes it's good to run and, and live another day <laughs> when you start getting smarter with your heroes and everything. But that, but in the 90s, that's when all that all that crazy stuff came out where, you know, you had Ghost Rider, you had Punisher, you had Wolverine. Every one of those characters was guest starring in every one of every other book to sell books. And then you had all the artists leave and go to Image and they made darker books, which are fine because I don't consider those some of those guys superheroes. Spawn, you know, just trying to wrap your head around Spawn. This is an assassin and he goes to hell. But then, like, even with Spawn... You know that the devil's the bad guy, and this is the good guy, and he's trying to go through this redemption trail to do it. And I know that he at least had, he questioned his morals. And there was some questioning there and, and, and some just really for Todd McFarlane deep stuff that they were trying to pull off in the early days of Spawn. And I stopped reading it around issue 50, so I have no clue where Spawn is right now. And I would I would love to see a movie come out from that. Well, the original Spawn movie was good. Don't don't ever forget that. <laughs> I want to focus on like you have those key heroes. You know, Spider Man is one of the, one of the biggest selling superheroes of all time. Same as Spider Man or Superman and Batman, and now Captain America and, and and Iron Man. Since Avengers, the movies have come out. They've been popular characters. They were never popular characters before the Iron Man film. Before the MCU came along, they were never popular. But if you have those five characters iron man and batman are probably the closest to the middle of that anti-hero and then you have superman and spider-man and captain america captain america went to world war ii and he killed nazis so i know that he's killed people because that was his job and the nazis nazis were bad but there's that that american dream that he's supposed to embody and that he's supposed to protect and right now we don't have those people protecting our personal American dreams. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's very interesting with uh, how people accept violence with uh, superheroes because uh, it, that, that first, uh, or Winter Soldier, Captain America's fighting and push kicks somebody off a boat. He's dead. And it's so funny that we, we see them beat people up in movies, but I don't think we, we realize what happens after the movie and these characters would be dead. And so I, I, I've always looked at Superheroes as murderers, they just do it for the good, and it, it's very interesting that like to see that that that's not liked, and that that we want these to be good people, and we want them to find their way out of them. We don't have to hurt people. They, we see it on the Flash a lot. 
he, they throw those people in jail way more no, than they should. No, the new Flash kills people, kills almost all the villains, and that's my biggest gripe with that show, is they're supposed to be smarter. They're supposed to figure out how to defeat the bad guy and put him in jail. And, and I don't know if you're going to say jail is good or bad, but but those are bad guys, and they should catch them. Instead, but the, all the, the f- first five episodes, they killed every person that came over from Earth 2, and I was like, what are you guys doing? Like, what what is going on here? As a fan of the genre, yeah, and I guess coming from, I, I think as a like a, a newer comic book fan, it's hard for me because I fell in love with horror films first, so I'm used to this dynamic. I'm used to seeing the bad guys have different motives. I remember um, the original Last House on the Left. Uh, they just get done doing dirty things and horrible things to a girl, and they look down at their hands, and it's covered in blood. And as filthy as they were, they questioned what they did. And you see it on their faces, and they're like, wow, we just did that. Still go on to do crazy things after. And uh, it's it's very interesting to see how comic book fans aren't used to that kind of questioning and pushing the line of good and evil as hard as uh, as hard as I see it usually done. Well, one, we have an age difference. Like, for me, nobody died in G.I. Joe. Nobody died in Transformers until the movie came out. I remember watching Robotech and Robotech was amazing. And that's the first time where I really remember somebody dying in a cartoon for me. Rick Hunter's brother doesn't make it back. And that's where like the battle of war. And I was really, as a young kid, really into war films. I saw death and I saw perce- you know, perceived death. Uh, the Great Escape is one of my favorite films. Not everybody escapes. Not everybody survives. And this is a 60s film. Uh, lots of Rambo films in there. I was a Stallone nut. Every, you, I had Stallone. I had Bruce Willis. I had all these big... So We had the violence. We had those heroes. And it's very interesting because I had no clue what was going on. That those films during the 80s were there to repair our masculinity from losing the Vietnam War. And... I was just a kid and I was just like, the Soviet Union's bad and they might actually bomb us at some point in time. Like Red Dawn, you know, those are the films that I'm growing up and I was like, okay, I know over there, those are the bad guys. And over here, we're going to rally and we're going to team up and we're going to defeat the bad guys when they invade. And so I saw lots of death, but I also, again, I established a rule with my heroes that they aren't supposed to kill. They're supposed to find a better way. And for you, you're okay with it. Yeah, I, um, I'm totally desensitized as a human being. I I grew up in a not great area, so death was kind of a, a, a common thing. Or I fell in love with horror films first. And I, I, I am okay with it because I believe comic books have the responsibility to be a reflection of the time. Like horror films in the 50s, each of those films were big giant monsters created by the A-bomb. And it's in the 60s, it was very uh, Norman Bates and humans were scary. 70s, it went back to monsters. 80s, it was slashers. Each one of these reflected the times and comic books do that very well as well. And I think that's why they're as brutal and as hyper realistic as they are because they're reflecting what we are as a society now. And I, I think comic books, as much as you don't agree, I think they need to be at this point because that's where we are as a society once in 10 years when your positive thinking changes, like the the industry as it is, and we get more positive things, it's going to go right back to Boy Scouts and superheroes. But 
we're still re- dealing with post 9-11 world. We're not a happy place still. I, I got to argue with you on this. I, I have to completely stand my ground because I'm not talking about changing the whole entire superhero genre. That's not what I'm saying. And yes, they've completely changed Batman's outfit to make him look realistic. You know, when I totally remember when they first draw boot bottoms on on Batman in the I don't know, I think it was early 2000s when they did that and they started making making the details in the comics. The problem with for me with the comic book industry is they're always chasing fads. And I'm what I'm talking about right now, I'm only talking about Marvel and I'm only talking about DC. Joe Casada and Dan DiDio are some of the worst people in charge of the comic book industry. Those two people have dissolved marriages. They've had Batman or super have had they've probably had Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman in a three way if Dan DiDio had his way to sell comic books. But they those two people, Joe Casada and Dan DiDio, do not have a good moral compass. I think Jeff Johns does, and that's why Jeff Johns has been put in charge of of rebooting the DC universe and also put in charge of the DC cinematic universe and bringing a lighter tone to it because I think he understands the hope that these characters inspire because he wanted to bring back all the golden age heroes because there is something about these heroes that people read and and brings a smile to their face and, and makes their day better because of the times we're in and the hyper-realism, and the real shit that's going on, there has to be characters that say, no, this is not how it's supposed to be. They're supposed to, you're, it's supposed to be better than this. Because if everything is all negative, it'll just continue to be negative. Yeah, I, I definitely see where you're coming from, but once the movies, uh, especially those DC movies, change their tone to uh, the quote-unquote lighter, I'm going to tune out. And it's going to be very sad because I love what they're doing. Um, I fell in love with superhero movies again because of what these movies are doing and because they're showing me real life. That's why I ignore Marvel. Marvel is, to me, this fantasy, happy-go-lucky, good-guy world. I don't live in that world. I live in, I live in the DC universe. I feel like I would be a citizen of Gotham because of the shitty life that I live and the crazy things I've done. So, yeah, I, I, I feel like I wish there was a 50-50. I feel like you can get what you want and I can get what I want because I do think they both need to be there and they're both very, very important. But one always somehow takes over the other. There's there's never 50-50 with this. It's always uh, everything has to be super friends or everything has to be Christopher Nolan Batman. We rarely get an in-between. People talk about Christopher Nolan's Batman being this dark, gritty story. And I don't think it is. I I... I... Uh, the Batman Begins is a Batman tale. It's just a good story. It's not gritty. It's not realistic. It's just a well-produced film. And that's what I'm asking for, is a well-produced film. Because if you have the spectrum of films or the spectrum of heroes like we, I've been trying to talk about, and like I said, there, there's, I, I feel that there is a void on the, on the Boy Scout end. I feel like they're pushing everybody towards the middle, and people, I still don't and this is a very wicked tangent, but there are so many people that love Darth Vader. Darth Vader has killed so many fucking people in the world. Like, you should not be worshipping Darth Vader. 
you are a fucked up individual if you're like, hey, my kid loves Darth Vader. Your kid's going to be a fucking psychopath. Everyone remembers that last 10 minutes of Return of the Jedi, though. That's why everyone's a Vader fan is because he even him is not ultimate evil. He still had some kind of heart in there. So I, as much as I agree with you, I don't understand this Vader fascination. Same thing with these 13-year-old girls who think Kylo Ren's super dreamy. I'm like, yeah, creeper, weirdo, rapey kind of guy? Not who you should be liking. So yeah, I, I definitely I don't understand why people cheer on the villains, even myself. I don't get why, uh, why people like the Joker. I'm like, that's your favorite character in DC? The, the creepy clown who murders people? I understand why people like the character itself because it's the it's the yin to batman's yang and they're they're complementing each other so I, I think if you like the joker you kind of like batman i don't know i the people that are obsessed with harley quinn that's a whole nother they have daddy issues i mean we can go through all the different issues that people have that go through whatever their cosplay is but we're not here to judge on that end we're not here to judge that that's fine you you cosplay as harley quinn all you want and and, you know, we hope that you and your dad get along. That's that's all we have to say on that one. For me, I always go back to the Iron Giant. The Iron Giant is the only superhero film that I've been blown away with. Because it's it is a Superman story. And he even says, I am not a gun. And he goes up and he saves everybody when he doesn't have to. And it's that redemption tale. I don't know. It's not even a redemption tale. He comes down and he befriends people and he loves them and he wants to defend them and he's going to do everything in his power to save them and even sacrifice himself. And that's what is a superhero because then afterwards there's a statue of him and he inspired the city and everybody understands that you don't have to nuke the world against an alien. Like it's just, I don't, I don't know. It's, that's my film right there. And everything you just explained is exactly what happened with Superman and Batman v Superman. But everyone still has a problem with it. He was this beautifully tragic person who did not need to save as many people as he did. And he did. But people still give that shit. I never get that uh, of why people didn't like his take of that story. Because I'm like, that Iron Giant story you just told me is exactly what I got from Superman's story and Batman v Superman. This is going to go back to Man of Steel. Uh, my hatred of the Zack Snyder Superman. When I talk about that, I need my heroes to be better. Uh, Superman says Krypton had its time and then he crashes the Kryptonian ship with all the Kryptonians on it. And I was like, one, you're Superman. You should be, you should be able to figure out how to save Krypton and save these humans and figure it out. And then he kills Zod. At the end, when Zod's trying to fire up, he snaps his neck, and then he screams at the end. He's like, oh, just fly off with him. Figure out how to do it better. No, that's not how real life works, though. And I know you, you, you really need these people to be higher than what they are. But if you set them on Earth and raise Superman, in, he, he's not Kryptonian. As much as his DNA is that, he has no connection to Krypton. That's why I thought he was right for doing what he did. He put his home before he put what it's told to be his home. It's it's not what your DNA is. It's what you grow up with. And I felt that that's what that thing. And with the Zod snapping the neck, there, yes, in the filmmaking sense, he could have flew away. But could have done it. Could have done anything else 
except for snap his neck. And that, and that I hold so much story though, that really pushed all to what we are going to deal with, with Superman losing every last bit because he had to kill it. Well, now Superman's dead. dead. Yeah. But you're a comic book fan. He's going to come back the next issue. It's it, with a mullet. Hopefully, um, I hold, I again, I hold my heroes to a higher standard. And whether it's, it is, it is reality because I, I think it's a very slippery soap when you, you're like, oh, he's just an average person. That's okay. He can, it, it is what it is. No, like somebody has to, the, the, whether it goes to politics, like we'll go to politicians, like you have to be a better person. You're in charge. Like this is what you're supposed to be doing. And we can actually have laws and, and, and have expectations and doing things. But if you're like, oh, it's just a corrupt society. That's kind of what they do. It is what it is. You, you get complacent and you kind of fall down this slippery path. Oh, it's okay if Superman kills a few people. And and that's what you're saying to me. And I'm like, no, it's not okay. It's not okay that Superman kills a lot of people. Yeah, and this goes back to something earlier is you were allowed to have those expectations. I grew up where these expectations were already shattered. I'm post-Reagan. That whole, like, we turned off the, the sheet. Uh, I know what the wizard looks like now in Oz. I know it's just this little dude. And that's what happened to me is, as in my generation is I'm not allowed to believe in these people because I never had them. Every politician I was told that was going to be there for me hated me as a gay man, hated me as a Spanish person. Every religion hates me as a gay man. You know what? So I've we talked about this earlier. I've never had that luxury of understanding where you're coming from. So... I think what they've created with the new DC universe is something I I definitely relate to, and I feel that struggle. That's what I loved about the Batman arc in it. Batman is me right now. He is this jaded, horrible human being, and it took something like your Superman. Do you? He saw that sacrifice Superman did in Batman v Superman, and you can tell he changed by the end of the film. And maybe I need someone like you to show me that there is some kind of good left because. I don't believe in it, like at Aww, all. you're you you're not a bad person. I'm not. It's not what I'm saying. No, and I I don't think you are. But it you have to see that's what I've always felt like. As I don't I don't get these these good superhero people. So I that I relate to this Batman in this new universe who's so jaded because you know what he said to he said to Alfred. You know how many people stay good in twenty years? In my twenty five years, how many people have stayed purely good? Not many. And it's it's hard for me. And, you know, I do need a good role model. And that's why I, I admire everything you have of you as a cheerful, more positive person, because I lose that. And I, I want I want to gain that from you. So we're kind of hitting on some things right here where I am the happy go lucky, optimistic, Rudy type person. And you're kind of the pessimistic person. But we had this situation in Orlando and this has happened countless other times. How are we going to come together? What are the, what are those things that we're going to do to kind of what's going to bring you closer to center and what's going to bring me closer to center and, and bring us together so that we can stop the evil forces out there? Um, it, it definitely talk, starts with really good communication. If we can have more conversations like this, we're like we've always talked about. We're from way two different sides of the world, but we meet in the middle so well. And I think it's because we're nerdy or we're both like weirdos on the inside and i think i think that's what's really going to help people is uh finding the middle and I, I i'm starting to see it a lot as as much as people are on this whole gun rant and everything there's a really good center of people i've seen on social media and i've seen through like youtube videos from companies people are coming together and talking 
And I, and I really, really like that. And I think that's a good start. And after every tragedy, we come together a little bit. Uh, a lot of the times it's always out of fear, which is scary because like post 9-11, America came together, but we turned against, uh, you know, the Muslim community where this one, we're kind of doing the same thing, but there's, there's more sides to it. Now we're turning against the gun people. We're turning against the religious people. So it's interesting. And I just think it, it, it takes more even-minded people talking and that's going to be the first start. And as soon as we come together, stay together. That's, we never stay together after we come together after a tragedy. It always separates again because that's the way it works. And we come back together again and separate. We just need to stay together once we get together. I firmly agree with you. And, and while you're telling me, like, we got to stay together, I'm like, how do we, how do we keep, the, keep the momentum moving? Because I remember 9-11 firmly in my head. And I remember in California, every bridge had banners and signs and, and everything about like, you know, team USA and, and everything that's going on with that. And, and then it slowly faded. And then, you know, whatever tragedy came back after that, it was like, okay, we got this, you know, we're going to be doing this ribbons or whatever we're doing. And then the oil spills or other shootings or this or that. And, and now it's with social media and for the love of fucking Pete, like, you're not contributing to society if you change your fucking profile picture. Like, stop fucking doing that. Yeah, uh, fake activism needs to die out really quick before we do get real changes. Is uh, this, you know, we joked about it before, that one like equals one prayer mentality Does do, doesn't do a damn thing. Changing your profile to a rainbow, as much as I love seeing rainbows all over the world, it's not really doing much. Um and if change your profile photo, but do something else after it, you don't even need to give money. That's not even an issue. Don't donate money. That rarely does that ever, you know, it, it's a good effort, but more stuff. It, 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 it has to start first off from each individual person. And then once we all kind of fine tune ourselves, we can start trying to help other people. But it's, it's hard. I don't know where the stats are, but I definitely know that donate. I, I know that we donate more and more each year and guess what? There's still poor people. There's still sick people. There's still homeless people. And we haven't figured out how to do it by just throwing money at the problem. And lo- what I learned from my hockey room locker on Sunday is that I just need to go out and shake more hands. And, and what that sounds to me is it sounds like I'm going to have to go to every fucking convention that's out there and just be like, listen, we need more superheroes and, and go from there. And then that's, that's, I, that's, I, I, I feel like I'm getting in this weird area because I don't want to be like a religious fanatic. I just want to be like, hey, man, like we just need we need less Deadpools running around and we need more superheroes running around. No, I don't and know. Yeah, you you're definitely like you raising a child is such an awesome idea because like you for your age and to, to be as like open minded as with gay people or different ethnicities. It's awesome. It's very rare. Like, I get intimidated by any 35-plus-year-old white man. I'm like, statistically, you're kind of not going to like me as a small brown gay person. So it, it's it's very rare of meeting people, and then I meet people like you, and I'm like, oh, okay, there, there's still some help. So, yeah, you going out and shaking, you know, shaking babies and kissing hands and doing whatever you need to do, it would be awesome. It's weird because... I'm a six foot three white dude and I was 
heavily bullied in elementary school. And by the time high school came out, I was just non-compliant and I would skip class and go to movies all the time. So for me, I, when people talk about bullying and I, I get it and they talk about not being treated fairly and then they look at me and they're like, dude, you're white privilege. And I, I get it. I understand it. I came from a different background. I had, I had more advantages than other people and people didn't hassle me much as much, but like my elementary school life and middle school life was fucking miserable. Absolutely miserable. And my escape was working at the comic book store and I had these heroes and these heroes told me through comic books and, and, and everything Matt, you just keep fighting and, and things will get better. Things will be fine and you'll work through it and you'll get through there. Because there was a there was a girl in Tampa that somebody Snapchatted her nude and she was a teenager and she killed herself afterwards because that's that bullying. And and for me, I, I see stuff like that and and that tragedy right there where that person didn't have that influence that said, hey, it's going to get better. It really sucks right now. It, it sucks more than it could ever suck right now, but it's going to get better. And that's why I always continue to champion those five or six Boy Scouts on this side of the table because that's what those people do. I get your Boy Scout thing because now thinking about it growing up, I was a huge, like we've talked about, I was a huge Buffy the Vampire Slayer She's the ultimate Girl Scout. Right. She she's done some some not you know some questionable things to get the better good done because everyone goes through it. But she remained a good spirit throughout, and she definitely like shaped me growing up. I remember being I felt like a weakling. I physically looked you know like her like her in the TV show. She's this like small little blonde girl. No one took her to have power, and I've always felt that way. I'm like no one expects me to be as a as as physically strong as I can actually be or things like that. And it, it, I really relate to that. So yeah, I, I, I laugh at you having boy scouts and then I think of me and I'm like, well, mine just weren't boy scouts. Mine are usually girl scouts. I think I, now I, I feel like I could have won this debate 50 minutes ago. If I just came up with, I used wonder woman as opposed to Superman and Batman in the trilogy, the Trinity. But you know, as we talk about it, Buffy had a character on the show named Faith who was she was supposed to be a good person, but she wasn't. She wasn't, and it, it's very interesting that like I I, I still see those characters, and I, I still find a little bit of myself in those darker characters because I guess I've been told uh, it. It's why I related to Zootopia so much. The Nick Wilde character was a fox, and his whole life he was told, "You're a fox. You're going to be a bad person." So what does he grow up to be? Is that bad person? So I guess I've always had the mentality of, well, I'm the loser freak. I'm going to have to stay the loser freak. And I, I guess I, I guess I forget that um, one now freaks are the cool people. So I guess I can rejoice and be a little happier. You need to watch the Iron Giant, man. Like they were like, you're supposed to be a monster, and he's like, I'm not going to be a monster. I'm going to be Superman, and it's the best fucking movie ever. I know. I really been one. <laughs> I, I. It's funny because I'm just the age group to watch Iron Giant, but. It was just, it was too nice looking for me. I wanted to watch the Adams Family Values 110 times because I wanted to live in that family as opposed to watching something like The Iron Giant where I'm like, oh, it looks too happy. Um, so yeah, it says a lot about me, my friend. Trust me, one of my first movies I saw in theaters was Scream. 
says a lot about me as like a seven-year-old who thought that movie was hilarious. I, when I was seven, I think I saw Poltergeist and that scared the living shit out of me beyond all belief. And that's probably the whole reason why I do not like horror movies because I was going to get sucked into the TV. Every time I walked up to TV for a little bit later, I was like, I want to turn this TV on, but I don't want to get sucked into it. Are you going to suck me in, Mr. TV? No, you're not. And it's, we, these are the upbringings. These are the elements that like build us up. And, and like I said, I have a four month old and now I'm like, how am I going to corrupt this person? How am I going to, like, for me, she's going to be a ninja assassin. That, that's, that's, I'm like, you're taking Kung Fu classes. You're going to become a ninja. And that's what you're going to do. And you're going to survive the zombie apocalypse. And this is, this is with all the craziness going on. I'm like, okay, I don't want to overbearing, over, overburden you with a lot of stuff. But I do need you to be able to rip somebody's throat out when you're six years old. Like, that's, that's what I need you to do. Yeah, I think it's smart that you want to raise your daughter to be Ripley from Aliens. I think that's I think that's what every girl should be. Or like, I I think your mentality of that is raise her to be a Wonder Woman, please, because we need more of those. Uh, we need more ass kicking, awesome chicks. We're approaching the one hour mark, and I I do feel like we we did kind of find some common ground on, on where we are and generation and everything. I I don't think we have the answers. I I think the one thing that we can do is just try to inspire other people to to be better, you know, and then that's what I that's what I think we need to try to do. Yeah, I think that's going to help so so much is is we didn't find an answer, but we started a conversation and we we found more in the middle than we thought. And that's exactly what happens each time someone has a like heartfelt, intelligent, calm conversation, you find things in the middle and we need more of that and I hope this you know, if whoever hears this podcast starts a dialogue after with somebody else, just find somebody to talk to about the moral compass of comic books or who, what is a good person versus what is a bad person. Things like this are really going to help a lot. And that conversation, you guys can start it with us and, and we're going to close it out right now, but like send us a message on Twitter at monkeys underscore robots. You can email me at Matt at pop axiom dot com uh ej has an email now ej at monkeyspreadingrobots.com we have the website we have facebook we have so many different ways for you to communicate with us and we have chad chad's our chad's our our lone hero now for the for the podcast right now and and we're going to double that we're there's going to be two chads at one point in time but chad loves talking to us and 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 we love talking to him and and we want to continue this conversation of just what's going on in the pop culture universe and, and how we can make it a better pop culture universe because the, the more popular it becomes, the more groups that are going to become involved. And, and instead of dividing into groups, you know, we probably should just be one giant group. And, and that's, that's, that's where I'm going to end it. Juicy sizzling steak, hand-tossed original dough, a four-cheese blend, and Papa John's creamy signature Philly sauce. It's like the best cheesesteak sandwich ever, but way better, because it's on a pizza, which means you can share it. So show some brotherly or whateverly love and get yourself one today. Right now at Papa John's, get a large Philly or any large specialty Papa John's pizza for just 12 bucks. Yes, 12 bucks. Better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's. At participating U.S. stores, prices may vary. Taxes tip and fee extra.